Aloha, I'm Sol, your host. The holiday season is packed with many unhealthy, unpleasant traditions that can spoil our sense of well-being on many levels. For example, overeating, overdoing, overspending. Boy, those are some common actions during the holidays, eh? What else happens for you during the holidays? Do you all of a sudden find yourself feeling overwhelmed? Maybe you feel more alone than ever before because most of your social circles gets caught up in the holiday cyclone. Are the holidays less than a happy time for you? If so, it's time to add more happiness by joining us in this series. We're going to connect weekly starting the last week of November through the second week of February. Every week we have not only a lecture but a live class. Each class provides time to laugh, vent some frustrations, and to offer support to other people in class. I invite you to join us to navigate the holiday season with a lot more confidence. To register for the series, click the links at the bottom of the page. Follow the registration instructions to join us for our weekly, live, lively conference call classroom. Get ready for some wonderful laughs, some ahas, all from the comfort of your phone. I look forward to meeting you and to being of service. And now, time for class. And now, as we dive into week two, we're going to talk about traditions, old and new. Traditions, old and new. As we get into this topic, I invite you to shake your thoughts on these two words, tradition and ritual. If you had a guest in your home from another country who didn't quite understand the English language, and they're reading something and they're curious about the words tradition and ritual. What would you tell them? In your opinion, are tradition and ritual the same or are they different? And the reason why for week two, especially during the holiday series, it's important to be mindful of these two words is because it makes the difference between being happy, healthy, compassionate, kind, generous, or it could mean you're unhappy, you're not healthy, largely due to a lot of stress related to things that might be attached to a tradition or a ritual. So as we dive into the beginnings of our time together, take a moment and ponder in your own mind, what's the difference between a tradition and a ritual for what it's worth. In my book, tradition is a moment in time of heightened awareness where certain things are done specifically consciously in a way that honors something or someone. Certain steps happen at a certain time or in a certain way, whereas ritual 
is a little more unconscious. I think the most classic example that I could give you of a ritual is breathing. We do it without really a whole lot of conscious thought to it. And one of the best ways to start getting into a meditative practice is to be very conscious of your breathing. So a ritual is something that is done fairly autonomic. For example, if you ever pay attention to how you brush your teeth or how you drive to work, or maybe you pay really close attention to some other mundane task. So tradition, conscious, ritual, unconscious. The reason why I suggest you pay attention to the difference between the two is because as traditions are created, we fold into those traditions all sorts of rituals. I think the best way to ponder that is the old cut the ends of the ham off joke. <laughs> I don't know if you recall this joke or not. Big party going on. Three generations are in the kitchen. The youngest generation, one of the guests observes the youngest generation cutting the end off of the ham and placing it into the pan and placing it into the oven. The guest asked the youngest generation, why did you do that? And the youngest generation said, that's a really good question. Let me go ask the person who taught me. So they went to the middle generation and said, what's up with the cutting the ends of the ham off? And the middle generation said, that's a good question. I was taught that way. Let's find our elder and let's figure out why we're doing this. So both the youngest and the middle aged generation went to the eldest generation and said, so what you teach us to cut the ends of the ham off for? And the eldest generation just gave them this look of puzzlement and said, well, my day, the pan was only so big. So I had to cut the ends off to fit the pan so the pan could fit in the oven. I think that's a classic example of where a tradition encapsulated a ritual. So think about that, this holiday season. What types of rituals are mixed into your traditions? As you start getting in touch with this difference between tradition and ritual, let's factor this in over the months of November, December, January, and February, being more conscious of the traditions that you follow. Is there a ritual that you find yourself falling into that helps or hurts the tradition? For example, do you start feeling overwhelmed? Is it almost a ritual that you feel overwhelmed the day after Thanksgiving? Is it a ritual you start becoming more, for lack of better words, testy or concerned or lacking sleep or overcompensating? Are there rituals that you do that get enhanced? Like, for instance, procrastination. <laughs> it's very easy to procrastinate throughout the holidays. Or it's a ritual to let your quote-unquote diet go. Oh, it's the holidays. It's the family. It's those gatherings. It's okay to have a little extra this or a little extra that. That's just the way it goes. My goal for week two in this journey is for you to become more conscious, just simply more conscious of your rituals and your overall traditions. A ritual is like a chapter in the book. A tradition is the book. 
And so as you become a little more awake and aware in this process, I begin to look at what are those traditions that are happening throughout November, December, January, and February? What are those traditions that you like? What traditions bring you joy? Pure and simple joy. Hands down, no question. You look forward to them because they bring you joy. What traditions bring you pain and suffering? For example, do you have a tradition of exchanging gifts? And every year you find yourself spending more and more money on gifts that, you know, people really don't need, but it's tradition to give gifts. And now you have the pain and suffering of working extra time or doing whatever you need to do to pay off the extra bills for gifts. That would be a tradition that I would say is worthy of change. It's worthy of dissolving that old tradition of buying a whole bunch of gifts. I'll give you an example. In my family, there were nine of us, six brothers, two sisters. And very early on, my parents agreed that when it came to brothers and sisters giving gifts to brothers and sisters and mom and dad, they did a gift exchange. And so very early on, a tradition was created that after we had Thanksgiving meal, mom would write everybody's name, one person's name per slip of paper and toss it into a bowl or a hat or something for us to draw from. And as we were enjoying dessert, we would pull a name out of the hat and that's the person we were responsible for purchasing or getting some type of gift for. That was it. And so that tradition remained stable for many decades. And we appreciated that gift. In fact, it got to a point to where we also set a bit of a price limit on what those gifts could cost. Because as we all grew up, each of us had different income levels. Mom wanted to make sure that we had a level playing field. So we amended the ritual by updating the tradition by applying a limit, a cap on the dollar amount. So as we get ready to discuss this difference between tradition and ritual, I'm going to remind you to once again, keep your explorer hat on versus your analyzer hat meeting. As you're exploring traditions and rituals, exploring means being curious. If you forgot how to be curious, just watch kids. They're a great teacher on how to be curious. Just explore your traditions, explore your rituals, just pay mindful attention. And if your critic kicks in because you're analyzing, meaning you discover something's good or bad, right or wrong, in or out. In other words, you are assigning some sort of value to it. Let it go. Just let it go. But be mindful of the fact that happened. There's absolutely no reason whatsoever in our journey together to kick into analyzing mode. None whatsoever. So with that thought in mind, for week two, I just invite you to be more conscious of things that you habitually do. Habits turn into rituals. Rituals turn into tradition. Follow that? Habits are those sneaky little things that, that I start doing, not even conscious of the fact that I started doing it. Then it becomes a ritual, meaning if I don't do it, then something's off in my day. 
And so by missing something that I normally do, my usual routine, something probably will throw off my day. For example, I have a ritual of following a habit of always putting my keys in a certain place when I come in the door so that I know I can find my keys. Now, if something breaks that routine, breaks that ritual, I'm going to find that I'm most likely looking for my keys all over the place. <laughs> so be mindful this week. Just take notes. And as you're taking notes about habits, routines, and traditions, just get a sense of what brings you joy and what doesn't. And then I invite you to get to our call to action. Call to action for week two is to create a ritual to review your traditions. Create a ritual to review your traditions. Fold in some flexibility to keep the best and dissolve the rest. So keep the best of the traditions, but dissolve things that just don't work anymore, both now and all year long. All right, that's it. Lecture is done. Time to get into our conference call classroom. And in class, we're going to explore more the information that you just experienced in this lecture. All right, listeners and classmates, as we begin to get settled in, tonight's topic can be a bit of a twister. Traditions and rituals. It may sound semantic. The reason why I invite you to get clear is much like the domino game. You set up all your dominoes, and when one domino falls, if it's set up, all the other dominoes begin to fall. What happens if a tradition is built upon a bunch of rituals, and one of those rituals goes kaflui? What happens to the tradition? So with that, why don't we start off with a round of introductions? My name is Marcia Sertino. I am from Boston, Massachusetts. And I have been on a journey with Pay Me What I'm Worth for years now and am very much enjoying it. And I will pass the ball to Kim. Hi, everyone. I'm Kim from Lafayette, Indiana, and I am new. My whole second week. <laughs> she says with this tentative, oh, my God, what the hell have I gotten myself into? <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> Aloha, this is Cheryl Reeser coming to you from the bright and sunny Big Island of Hawaii. And I will toss it to Rick. This is Rick, and I'm sitting right next to Cheryl. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Good to have you, Rick. Hi, this is Bridgetta from Fayetteville, North Carolina. And I am an old-timer on the couple. Hi, everybody. This is David H. Paul. I'm from... St. Cloud, Minnesota. And uh, I've been around this block once or twice or so. <laughs> Just really glad to be here amongst the folks that get my humor. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Tanya. I'm calling in from Tennessee and uh, glad to be here. Glad to be making new friends. I'm very interested in hearing what Kim has to say tonight about tradition. And I'm ready to have some fun tonight. Hope you all are too. So, how many times did your mind get turned into a knot as you were 
flipping traditions and rituals and traditions. Anybody mind currently a pretzel? Serious. <laughs> does it seem like it's semantics? Is it, does it feel like I'm making a mountain out of a molehill? Oh, one of the things that came to my mind was, I mean, if pretty much everybody, maybe except for Kim, knows on this call that I've experienced a few major changes in most recent years, major changes like divorce and major career changes and adjustments and direction changes. And what's really interesting is that I became really, in some cases, painfully aware of my ritual, especially the ones that don't work <laughs> in the midst of those major changes. And but and really, the big blessing has been with Team What I'm Worth, since one of the ground rules to participating in Team Seekers for me was doubt, guilt, shame, and worry need to leave. That's, and when those things arise, I get a choice. I can either write my $100 trillion check to the charity of my choice, which, of course, most likely going to bounce because last I checked, I don't own the federal bank. <laughs> and, okay, I can't go there. Or I could go there, but that's not going to serve where I want to go. It's not going to serve me. So. If I'm not allowed to live in that doubt, guilt, shame, and worry and really wow in it like I used to, then I get to make some choices about these things that aren't working. I can fight them and I can beat them up and I can really work them over that doubt, guilt, shame, and worry. Or just put on my smart cap like that three-year-old in the sandbox and just explore what would it look like if I changed those rituals that are habitual. Yeah, David, there's never any ritual around guilt or doubt or worry or shame <laughs> during the holidays. It's always free of that, isn't um, it? Well, absolutely. One of the rituals that I practiced really faithfully was night math. Oh, yeah. When I became a recovering Catholic, midnight math became a conflict. Get for example. Well, what do I do? You reminded me of my mother, another tradition. What is it just before Easter? You're supposed to decide what you're going to give up for Lent. Uh, my devoutly Catholic mother, who was hoping I would turn into a priest, one year I said, I give up Lent for Lent. She was not amused. Uh, I said that to your mom? Not amused. She knew she was going to have a handful. So do you oh, see my... how these concepts, these teeny tiny little rituals, especially during the holidays. If it's not working for us, but yet we always do it, what's up with that? It's hard to change. It's like, yeah. how's that go? But doctor, my eye, I poke my eye every time I have a cup of tea with a spoon in it. And doctor says, take the spoon out. What is it about ritual? Did you catch that I sprinkled in this notion that habits are the seeds of ritual? Did that make sense? What habits are you catching yourself now that the day of feasting for at least the United States citizens, Thanksgiving has come and gone. What habits, even on that day of Thanksgiving, what habits did you notice worked and didn't work? Anybody got an example? Normally, I would go to my family. They usually had a Thanksgiving dinner there and everybody got together. But since then, I decided that if they can't come to me or make out some kind of arrangement, then I'm not going to participate. So my son and I, 
to met some friends at one of the restaurants for breakfast. They were visiting up from Florida. We met them there for breakfast. We weren't hungry at lunchtime, so for dinner, we went and had their Thanksgiving special, which was very reasonable. And I didn't have to cook. My son didn't have to cook, which he was happy. I would love to cook, but I can't. And it was very good. Some people didn't like it, but I, I put it down the river. I ain't going to worry about it. Sweet! You're already doing what we're going to be talking about towards the wrap-up of this class, and that's making a ritual of reviewing traditions. And if they've got to change, yeah. they've got to So you changed it. You had the courage to change well, it. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm already ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not today. Oh. According to statistics from the Center for Disease Control, it is a habit, a routine, a statistical norm that most Americans will gain an excess of 10 pounds between Thanksgiving and the end of the year. In its totality, it's not that big of a deal if those 10 pounds are consciously resolved after the first of the year. Yours truly, who at one point in time was topping out at 325 pounds, let's just say we had a lot of festive holiday. The ritual of eating, ladies and gentlemen. Have you ever thought mm -hmm. of eating as a ritual? I do now. <laughs> oh, my. Very much. Gosh, last Thanksgiving in particular, it was really fun to be consciously aware of the ritual of Thanksgiving. My autopilot was load that plate up as well as you could get it, cram as much of it in as possible, and then go back for a second. That was the tradition. <laughs> last couple of years, it's been, what feels good? That amount feels good, and that amount feels good. And second, you know, I'd rather take it home for later. And that mm -hmm. felt really good. I just need to make a conscious decision to change and to now see those new rituals become the tradition. The tradition of mm, everything's gray in moderation. Anybody got family members who... Oh, no, go back for more. They feel disappointed if you haven't loaded your plate up two, three times. Anybody have to suffer any of those oh. types of routines? My family and members though, wanted to know why I wasn't staying for pumpkin pie. No. Even in the ritual of cooking, for example. Now, granted, it seems like they change the rules just about every other year, whether we should use butter or not use butter, whether we should use bacon or not use bacon. With all of these rules that seem to be flip-flopping all the time. But he grew up with a particular dish that without that dish, it's not Thanksgiving. It's not Christmas. It's not whatever. Who has a story around recognizing that you have a particular dish that you look forward to during a particular holiday? Oh, definitely. Every year on Christmas Eve, we have a tradition of having oyster soup. And we have done that since, oh my gosh, I don't remember never doing it. As we got older, it was just something that our kids had to accept because we were going to have oyster stew. That's just how we were raised. Yeah. Kim, have you ever dug? into that tradition, as in who started it and why? I know who started it, but I'm not sure of the exact reason of why. It was a couple generations is how it started. 
and it just came through the family. And there's a lot of people that don't like oysters. We grew up and started having our own children. I've got a sister that would make potato soup. So the ones that didn't like oyster stew, we had potato soup. I'm going to throw this little twister in there just to okay. spice things up. Sure. True or false? That type of tradition defines a tribe, defines a family. It sure does. Folks, what do you think about that statement? Yeah, I think it's true. If it's I passed agree. on through generations, I think this is like a tribal tradition. Yeah. That was passed on. Yeah. What woman hasn't had to contend with meeting their partner's family on a holiday gathering and sitting down at the table <laughs> and going, what the hell is that? They are right, because every now and then you'll get a couple of them that'll dangle out oyster from the top of their head <laughs> and eat it raw. And it's like, I think it's really interesting that we're talking about this subject because my dad is Filipino and my mom is English-Irish. So oh my. whenever we would go to Thanksgiving dinners, it was always completely a different type of dinner depending on whose turn it was that we were visiting. So one of the things on my mom's side is if we didn't have celery with cream cheese, it just it wasn't Thanksgiving. And I was telling somebody ran down to the store and grabbed the celery before it's all gone because good grief, we have to have it. I'll never, ever forget the time I was dating someone and they wanted to bring me into the family holiday event. It was in Minita, and I walked into this home, and first off, a man dating a man in a traditional Catholic family. There's going to be some eyebrows raised to begin with. <clears throat> and I walk into this home. It was a bitterly cold day. Normally, you walk into a home, and it's got some extraordinary yummy aromas. I walk into this house, and the only way that I can describe what I was smelling for those old enough to remember the original home for hair, women who would comb their hair at home, <laughs> combine that with that very first second when you open up a can of sauerkraut. It's not like either grandma farted. I walked into this house and I would not believe what I was smelling. It was like, oh my God. I pulled my data aside and I said, I don't care who you have to tell, but make sure you get the word out that I am a strict raw vegan. I can only have raw vegetables. I just did not want it turned out it was lutefisk because there's just no way I was gonna eat that gelatinous whatever that was. But of course everybody looked at me like that's tradition. We have lutefisk. So food plays a very important ritual in a lot of traditions, yeah? Yeah, for sure. And the preparation of food, yeah? Yeah. What else happens? There's the preparation of home, right? What is a ritual that you do to your home before a traditional gathering? Lean. Yep, clean it. Clean it then and clean it when everyone leaves. And are there rituals of cleaning things that 
It only happens once a year because of that damn party. Not welcome to hear any dust the blinds. Come on now. Or clean the curtain, right? Or get the silver ready. And then there's the ritual of material possession. Certain things have to be trotted out, right? Who has a story around a particular item that was always something you have during the holidays? Now the tradition's changed because that item has either been broken or stolen or lost or possibly given away. I remember that my mom used to always bring out all the Christmas ornaments. After a certain point, and I'm not really sure exactly when, she just decides she's going to leave the ornaments there on this table. So it's like that table is permanently decorated with a manger, whatever item that she used to bring out and put away, but now she leaves it there permanently. Mm. Okay. So that tradition changed a little bit. I'm bringing all of this up because it's the little things that add up into a tradition, the way we decorate the home or the way we prepare the home. I go to great extreme to decorate my house, so therefore I want to enjoy it because I'm always ready to take it down the day after Christmas. So the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I always want my decorations up. And my daughter-in-law was here for Thanksgiving. And it was the first time in 15 years being in our family that I did not have my tree up or any of my decorations. So she made a point to go down to my basement, bring up my tree and decorate it for me. So I don't know if she thought something was really wrong. And we had 74 degree temperatures when I normally would be getting my tree up. But we just weren't in a mood to put our tree up. All of these different things, as we become mindful of, like a giant-sized jigsaw puzzle, if you think of a completed jigsaw puzzle, a 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle, that's the tradition. Each little piece is one of the rituals. And if one of those rituals is missing, Mm -hmm. right, that can throw us out of balance. Part of the rituals folding into routines provides a sense of safety, provides a sense of form and function yeah yeah if we start scrambling that up uh-oh question thought uh-huh what the hell are you talking about i remember i used to go to the meetings all the time and then i had to change that and i took over this other job where it's actually become a ritual for me once a week because it turned into a ritual because i make sure that i call in to get the messages every week and I'm prepared (laughs) for emails that I have to send out. So I noticed, I'm very aware that it's becoming a ritual that happened. And when those rituals, when a ritual impacts another person's life, takes on a whole different meaning, yeah? Yeah. Let's switch this up again. What stamped on most U.S. food on their label or someplace on the package. It's fairly recent. It hasn't always been this way, but I believe that there's now a federal law that there has to be a particular something stamped on that item. What is it? Yes, expiration date. Bingo. Where am I going with this? 
that there can be an expiration date on anything we do. When was the last time you all reviewed rituals? When was the last time you sat down either with yourself or the people at those rituals involved? Talked about them. It Rick and I have been talking about different, since we listened to this morning, realized that with us moving around, like we moved from the United States to Costa Rica, and we pared down to a couple suitcases each. All of our goodies, Christmas stuff, everything was left behind. And then my family seemed to start dropping off. So we don't have any of the very, very few of the same traditions and rituals. So we decided what we've been doing for the last few years are starting to make our own. And we haven't been hung on to all of those old ones. I worked very (laughs) diligently most of my life to not participate in the holidays with my family at all. I have five sisters, a mother, a bunch of stepfathers, a bunch of stepmothers. When I was a kid, like they would fight over, where are you going to go at Christmas? So I was over it really young. And it was a time of turmoil and a time of not happiness. When she would think that, uh, oh, she puts a Christmas tree up, that's so cool that she does that. And at a certain time every year, and I was sitting over here laughing my butt off going, if you come in my house, Pardon me. Yep. A bunch of presents around it. I'm on my deathbed because I didn't put that stuff there. I love what you said. <laughs> like around this time of year, of the holiday time, the surf is like huge and gigantic, and that's pretty much the only thing in our mind. Yeah, I tip that. <laughs> David, you were just talking about all of the changes you've experienced over the past couple of years. You've got to have a lot of review dates to review I'm assuming. Uh-huh. I just want to touch upon the most recent Thanksgiving day this year. I was grateful and truly lucky enough to be able to arrive over to my parents' home two hours early. And I'm really glad I did because I walked in the door to my mom just overwhelmed. And her joy has always been doing the Thanksgiving and the Christmas meals. It's been her joy her whole life. She'll they ah, that's okay, mom. We'll just do it this year. She wouldn't be around next year. You'd opt out of theirs to let you. That's just how important it is for her. So I walked in and I saw her just frazzled. I gave her a big hug and I said, Happy Thanksgiving, mom. Where do you need me? What's next? And she could tell me what was next. She could tell me everything that needed to get done and in the order it needed to be done in. She could tell me what went into the recipes but she couldn't physically do it because her mind was not matching up with her body. And that's just what she's not. And it was very interesting because I stepped up, my girl stepped up and my son stepped up and we all just did our little piece to the puzzle and it all came off without a hitch and it was wonderful. But right after that meal, we sat down as a family, my kids and myself, we sat down together and said, time to make a new plan. So how are we gonna support grandma and continuing to be able to do these rituals that are a part of this tradition for her. That's so important to her. It's a part of what makes her the family giver. That's a part. And so we came up with a plan on how to support. That's kind of a new tradition for us is to modify and adjust as our respected elders. 
change. And David, did you notice the sparkling of energy? Did you notice that it's oh, like yeah. adding water to a dried yeah. plant? It was refreshing and it was energizing and the love in that room was, you could cut it with a knife. It was just, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad everybody is getting in touch with this review thing. I would like to task all of you that as you go through the holidays, just jot down routines. Just jot them down. Start a piece of paper. Just bullet point it. Make it simple. Don't make it overly complex. Just bullet point those things out and just let them sit. And just over the next year, think, do we need to update this? Every computer, just about the time you turn it on, there's always an update to this software, an update to that software, and this has got to be replaced. And it's the same thing with our traditions and our rituals. Getting in the habit of, does this work? And if it does, great. If it doesn't, time for an upgrade. Or, God forbid, let it go. As usual, we've just barely skied down the bunny slope of the traditions and rituals. This time of year is just so full of them that we probably don't even have a conscious awareness of how deep the roots go. To me, traditions have deep roots. And sometimes changing that tradition means digging up some really deep roots. And in that digging process, you might come up with a few surprises. Anything in particular? Any questions about what we're talking about? Any ahas? No questions. The aha that I do have is that I have become so much more aware of the traditions as well as the ritual that you point out. Funny because I'm looking back at how my traditions actually evolved and we never really paid attention to it before that. They just evolved into Thanksgiving Day, for example. It used to be so busy for us and now it's, wow, it just seems like such a much more relaxing day for us. We just decide on the spur of the moment, what are we going to have for Thanksgiving? And that's it. Each year, it's been different. I have a story that pertains to what Sol was just talking about, thinking about the traditions and if we need them. I took this class last year, too, and got me thinking last year, do I need to do this or do I need to do that at, during the holiday? And one of my holiday traditions has always been to make almond roca. And so... Sol said, think about things and do you really need these things? And I thought, I do not really need a pound or two of candy now, do I? All I do is eat them, inhale them. So I didn't make it. A few times I thought, oh, I would like to be inhaling some of that candy. But this year I am making it. I reviewed the tradition for a year and I think I'm going to make it. <laughs> but something I do share with other people at times, so it doesn't all go in me. <laughs> what I'm continually reminded of is when I first started this journey with everybody, you, you'll find it amazing that just listening to people talk about something and interacting with them, it's going to be very different. I'm like, yeah, how the hell is that going to be so much different? It is. It's so much different, I'm finding that. 
when people are open enough and allow themselves say their perspective and these environments, like, I don't remember this being a safe place. So like our classroom, is this a safe place too? I am totally amazed that I took the class last year and it really helped me get through the holiday season because obviously I have issues. And this year I'm calmer and able to just laugh at myself more how I feel and why I feel that way and take a different perspective of it. So it's been really good for me. I appreciate all the effort and all the different perspectives. Thank you. Mahalo, Rick. I have to chuckle. You just opened up an entire another something to canoodle on. What happens when there's the ritual couched in a tradition that you always piss and moan or wail or gnash your teeth about a particular person or a topic or whatever. What happens when I let it go? I don't need to talk about it anymore, but yet there are a number of people who haven't let it go and they still need to talk about it. Now what? That's nothing to play with. I can recall a number of holiday gatherings where all it takes is one topic to kick it off and then boom, here we go. You might as well just Turn on the video from last year because it's going to go the same way. Yep. Yep. Here they say, change the channel, put a different movie in or whatever. Yep. So some of us are caught in. I'll be the person <laughs> that I am. And break that loop, God forbid. Oh, I break the loop all the time. It, it doesn't necessarily help the individuals around me breaking the loop. Have a lot more than just me. It was funny the other day. It was the day after Thanksgiving, and I was up at my daughter's, and my daughter and my son-in-law were talking to me, and Rick went zooming up to the gate and crash bang and left. And my son-in-law looks at me and gives me a funny look, and my daughter says, "It's the day after Thanksgiving. Holiday season is upon us." <laughs> As always, I'm blessed that you're all here playing, exploring. Our last journey, we talked about the whole concept of time and how we manage our time and how that plays into our holiday experience. And time is also a ritual too. We have created a certain time of the year to do certain times of things. So this year, I pray tell that you allow that gift of time to soften possibly. Allow it to help shape what need to be released, and what need to be born. All right, that's it. I look forward to seeing you in class. Aloha. Are you suffering from worth decay? Here's how you know you might be suffering from worth decay. If you think or feel worthless because of your age, health, finances, or your looks, Guess what? You're suffering from worth decay. For those who really want to end worth decay, you'll call and register to be part of our unique self-paced program. Call 312-268-0000 to learn more about this program. <laughs>